Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. As we've hit our winter stride here, Dante, you and I always dive into the club building aspect. We're obviously novices. Um, We're just diving into really doing it ourselves. But a guy we have on the podcast with us today uh, can take just about any kind of hidden treasure, hidden, you know, artifact almost in the game of golf and really turn it in to a, a diamond in the rough. You could say it's uh it's something we've always enjoyed watching his Instagrams, his YouTube. So excited to have Brandon Mason on the show, golfer and craftsman. He's self-taught to professional club maker. Brandon, thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, thanks for, uh, Thanks for having me on. I love that intro. I don't think how many people know what go into like just doing an intro. It's so hard. <laughs> so so much pressure. <laughs> it's one of those things, man. And I love it, especially with, with people like yourself that are the self-taught to obviously professional. It just, it gets me so amped. I'm like, I cannot wait to unravel all of it. And I think that's why that intro came out so easily. Cause I'm excited to get into <laughs> this, man. I'm excited about it too because uh, just the whole like from self-talk to professional uh, that came that question has come up a lot. People say like, uh, "What makes you a professional?" I like, well, I think what makes me a professional is people clubs that I build for them or restore. They go out and they win tournaments. That make that make me a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. Professional, I always think too is like number of hours spent in the trade. You know, something like oh. that too, which which we can dive into. I'm sure here, but uh, club like making 10, is not a quick club. Rule. Club making and club restoring is not a quick process. No, not a cheap process either. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a great process to learn, and it can also be a bad process in the rabbit hole if you're a tinker. Yeah, and that a, is me. It is definitely it will definitely take you down a rabbit hole, but it won't take you down any other rabbit hole that YouTube would take you down. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's a whole podcast in itself. (laughs) Awesome. I I uh, I got in like uh I don't yeah, I just love I just love club man. I think I love using my hands, really, to be honest with you. I love taking something that people have discarded, thrown away, and then bringing it back to life you know and uh, i always tell people though that some people that like doing that also turn into hoarders like i, I don't mm. work i just like i like to make it and i like to give it to somebody else so it can be useful <laughs> that's one of the coolest yeah. things of club making is whether you sell it or use it yourself there's always an end goal of using it at some point and not just setting yep. it on a shelf uh, to be looked at you know and how many I do, drivers I, you know how many driver shafts i have sitting in my in my bag and i'm sitting there I was like yeah Yo, you know what maybe i should Maybe I should sell these. And I'm like, mm, you know what? No, nah, I might I might have to go tinker back to that one. So, it's so, just like. <laughs> some stuff I am. So I, I got like about, I'm looking at them right here next to me. I got about five clubs that like, as far as woods that I refuse to get rid of. Like this, this one is right here. I might as well pull it out. It's crazy. This one club is a, it's a wood. But I put a graphite shaft on it, so it's an old four master, an old Wilson four master. I like this was totally tore down. I took it, brought it back to life, sanded it. I did the whipping on it myself, and it has a uh, a dealer. Uh, I forgot this this shaft is like super stiff. I forgot what it was, but it's the one with the little skull on it. So that lets you know it's probably hard as hell. Oh, so you can really crack that real, thing. Yeah, it's the yeah. real. 
Yeah. So when I put it on here, of course, this is graphite. So it made like, <laughs> this is like a Frankenstein. It made, uh, it needed to get the swing weight up. So what I did was I took little, little tilt weights, uh, metal tilt weights, and I cut them and I put little holes in the bottom of here. And I brought the swing weight up and just epoxied them in there and put this back on top. So it's kind of like having a muscle car but not really knowing what's under the hood. That's so. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Vin Diesel, baby. <laughs> Fast and furious of golf clubs. I'm all about it. Definitely crazy. <laughs> Man, oh I'll tell goodness. you what. And that's the way, like, you know, for those who are just listening on, whether it's Apple, iTunes, or Spotify, guys, go check out our YouTube page. He broke out this Frankenwood, I'm going to call it. Uh, and he, he really took us through it, showed us that, guys, go look at our YouTube page, Enjoy the Walk podcast there. But, Brandon, let's, let's dive into before the club making, man. Where did, where did the, because you have to have a desire for the game of golf before you dive into club making, obviously. Where did that start, and how did it evolve to this club making path here on now yeah yeah it's it's a long story that i'm gonna make very short as short as possible so basically i uh just by trade i i am a producer i produce uh tv commercials and i used i went to school for directing i got a master's of fine art in directing motion picture i did broadcasting i worked for uh this might be before y'all time actually but i worked for uh, cw cw network uh for for a while cw and uh the my network down down south i did that for a while as a creative service producer so i always been like a artist and i always been into like arts that was my thing so uh, i actually uh wrote a movie <laughs> it's crazy i wrote a movie uh but i haven't done anything with it actually uh it's, you can think about it as like the 2000 when i wrote it it was like 2017 so back then it was like the 2017 version of 10 cup with instagram in it <laughs> so <laughs> i wrote i wrote a movie and uh it was about golf it was a romantic comedy about golf and then i i realized i'm like hold up you idiot how you gonna write a romantic comedy about something that you don't do or don't play or anything so like i said you know what i'm gonna just embed my my life into the culture you know and uh I went out and I started playing golf. And like anybody who played golf, I got hooked. Like uh, the first time I like peered one, it was like, it went up through my arms into my soul. And I was like, damn, I like, I like this. So of course I still suck back then, but uh, I always been competitive and I feel like I'm a, a athlete, but that's another subject, but just cause you feel like you're an athlete and you're good at other sports don't mean you're gonna be good at golf, but I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. I'm gonna stay on this one. Uh, so I started playing and so I say, hey, you know what? I think I wanna go get lessons, which most people don't do either. Don't go get lessons, but that's another subject too. So I went and got some lessons. I got hooked and I started playing. I had only been playing golf for like a month. And I was like, man, I'm gonna go out and play in a tournament. So I signed up for like, I saw it on Golf Channel or something. It was like the Golf Channel Am Tour or something like that. So I signed up for it, not really knowing what the hell I was getting myself into. So I go out there thinking I'm halfway decent. Uh, I went and played in a tournament. It's had a super nice course. It was a private course too, because I'm in the Bay Area. It was Ruby Hill, I think. Yeah, I think it was Ruby Hill. It's a private course out here. When it's, I think I shot like a 138, man. I came in dead last, and I was like, oh, this sucks. You know, most people would have quit, <laughs> but I just kept, I just kept going. And then, you know, 
kept practicing, kept working at it, kept getting more and more hooked. And then once I found out, once I got better at playing, I decided I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be the person that go out and just buy the new driver because I think it's going to make me hit the ball farther. I was like, I want to know that my equipment is like set up for me, you know? So I uh, I started reading. First, no, be honest with you. The first thing I did was I started Googling. I'm like, okay, golf club building schools. You can't go to school for it. It's like one school, like up in Ohio, and that's it, you know? And now, now Mitchell got a school, but really it was just one school, the golf works. And I was like, like, damn, it's one school. I'm like, how people learn how to build clubs? And then it hit me. I'm like, hold up, you're a smart guy. Just go get some books. So I went and got a whole bunch of books. And I just started reading books. I started watching a couple of videos. I started calling random people who build golf clubs uh, that I like they work. Start harassing them. Start making some friends. Start making some enemies. And uh, the rest was history. And I kind of like stumbled up on learning how to build golf clubs. I built some for myself. People saw some that I built for me. They were like, man, can you build me some? I started building my friends some clubs. I, I built each one of my friends, uh, six sets total. I built each one of my friends a set of free golf clubs. They just bought the components. I built them. They loved them. They started telling other people, and the rest was history. Now, what happened was it started becoming way too much. It was consuming me because you got to keep in mind the whole time, I got a family, <laughs> I'm working, you know, and I'm like, hold up, time out. I like, how can I still satisfy my need, but not be stressed out with having to build golf clubs every week? I'm like, man, forget this. I never, cause anybody who build golf clubs know the more golf clubs you build, the less time you get to play. And I like to play, I'm gonna be honest with you, I like to play. So I was like, how can I satisfy this itch without, uh, you know, being subject to just having to build, 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 build. Like, I'm starting a YouTube channel, so. <laughs> That's how I got here. <laughs> Welcome to where we that's, are, that's, December seventh, twenty twenty. That's the short version of it. So, Man, but I and mean, you know, I think I think that's just one of the that's kind of the, one of the keys to just building golf clubs. Like you said, it's there is no school. There's really nowhere that you can go, and it's kind of if you want to get into it, it's you're just gonna have to pick the expert's brain and just it's trial and error, trial and error until you get you know, you find that craft and you, you become an expert into it. And, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere near the head of the skills that you have, but you know, I, I went through the club fitting process. And when I played the cross in high school and college, I was always a gear head. I always, for some reason, I was fascinated with the equipment. And then, you know, after college, it really wasn't it, finding a bunch of like guys in their, you know, mid twenties, mid to late twenties, trying to, get a team together it's very difficult and then I kind of busted my knee the one time and then realized I said you know what let me pick up the golf clubs and learn the game yeah. and then I was like you know what? knowing how expensive it was I was like all right you're just you're just not going to learn the equipment you're just not going to learn the gear yeah that that did not happen I got so fascinated after the club fitting process and when I got fitted for clubs and then I'm sitting there looking at guys like piecing clubs together and starting to build and it's it's just a trial and error process and you just got to keep up with the practice and and that's, it was the, that's the best way to learn for me for, yeah i totally agree like for me it was the whole educational aspect like learning how to build golf clubs made me a better golfer like like it's like how do you 
of course you're gonna know how to what square is on a club because you're building other clubs for other people and they gonna quickly tell you if it ain't square or not. You know, like some people like their like some people like their logo to match up with their face being square. You know, I don't I play my grips uh face down, but you know, everybody got the certain thing that they like and you quickly you quickly learn and I I learned a lot is I started I started to learn what offset look like. I started to learn what I like as a player and what I don't like. That's why I, I have never I played cavity backs for two weeks and ever since then I have never touched a set of cavity backs. And most people think I'm crazy, but that taught me how to play. You know, right now I play some mirror MB 505s. It's the same ones that uh uh Abraham was playing. He got some new clubs now, but it was the same ones that the blades that he were playing from Mirror. And uh you start to learn like who who has the best foraging. All of them come from the same foraging houses in Japan. You start to learn, you know, what you like about what you like about foraging versus carbon steel. Like I'm not a you know, everybody using carbon steel, you know, Tyler's everybody, but I'm not a carbon steel fan. I play Mizuno, uh, I still play Mizuno T7s. I bought a bunch of them because I love them, but they forge and the, I just, I like feedback. Like it's something about, you know, when I hit a blade and I hit it wrong and it, it, it sends shockwaves up my right arm, it's something it's like punishment. Like don't hit me like that no more, you know? So it's something, it's something about that that I like, you know, it offers the feedback. It's like a child, like my, like my son, I got two bad, okay, my kid's not bad, but they very active. And I tell them don't do something, then they go do it and they burn their hand. It's like, okay, you touch the iron, but you won't touch it no more. So, you know, it's like you start learning all these different things uh, when you're building. And, uh, you know, it's some, I feel like it's a, it's a market for, you know, the DIY golfer, you know what I'm saying? Like not everybody, you got some people who just want to go blow the bank and go and spend like, you know, 2,500 on some clubs. And that's fine. I totally support them too. But, like, it's something about us true, like, you know, golfers who want to get out there and get our hands dirty or, like, me just cut your hands all up, but whatever. <laughs> it's just something no, about it. There's no greater feeling is when you, you take components and, you know, like you said, you, you, you're an artist. And yep. when you take these components and then, you know, you start with from scratch, it's like doing, like, a painting. You get, like, a blank canvas and all of a sudden you start going. And then you yep. start piecing things together. And next thing you know, you have, you have this, this, this club or this like elegant picture. And it's, it's like this masterpiece that you just put all this hard work into it. Yep. And it's, that's a rewarding factor seeing like just that components put together and then boom, you have this golf club and you're like, now, like, I'm going to go take this and you're out with your buddies and you're like, yeah. And they're like, oh man, that's real sweet. Like, where'd you get that? Well, I, I built it. And yep. they're like, what? No way, really? Yeah, I mean, like, I there's always the there's always scratch, a shock but... and all followed by like very quick interest when you tell someone you've built the club, like not yes. oh I got it off the shelf. It's, it's, it's oh yes. you you built it, and then and then people want to dive in and ask those questions of like how how'd you do this how'd you do that and and, and it kind of like you know Brandon like you said earlier and I think you put it perfectly that that club or that set of clubs it does become like a child like you're so proud of it you, you yeah. want to see you want to see it play well you want to see it you know perform and it's one of those things where it, it it builds that attachment to that club or that set of clubs especially when it's your own the first time i built the first club that i ever built I, when i decided I'm like okay i'm gonna do this this is what i'm gonna do so i went i uh after like you know 
just doing other stuff and messing up. I was like, okay, this is the first club that I'm I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna really build and I'm gonna hit it and it's gonna be great. So I went and bought like a R5, a tailor-made R5. Uh, I think I got it for like like $10 or something. And then I ordered, uh, the shaft was kind of overboard, but I couldn't pass up on it. It was a deal money shaft. I went and bought a deal money shaft, put it on the R5. I call it mixing the old. That, I like doing that too. I still do that now. I mix the old with the new, but I kind of I call it like mix. Okay, I'm gonna mix the old with the new. So I put it together, got it to the swing weight that I like. D uh D three point five. It's weird. Like nobody probably be able to tell a three point five, but that's just what I like. It's in my head. I like a D three point five, so that's what I play. Uh, made it D three point five. Uh, I didn't have a frequency analyzer back then, so I really didn't know the stiffness. I just held it out, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that feel about right," you know. <laughs> so you know, I, I took I took it out to the course. It was the first swing. My friend uh Perry, uh, one of my good friends, I play golf with him all the time. He was like, uh, he was like, what you got? I was like, this, this, that R5 that I built. He was like, oh, this your first time hitting it? He was like, yeah. He was like, okay. You know, it's kind of like, yo, you know them friends that sit back and they secret, they secretly want to see you succeed, but they also want to be ready to laugh if yeah. something goes wrong. <laughs> so he, I, he was kind of in the cut looking like this head better not fly off. That's so. one, that is the scariest thing of taking a club for the first time when you're like a novice uh, beginner of, club builder and you put one together and you're like man and it looks good and then yeah. you take it to the range you're like and you're like uh, 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 it turn it, it back now <laughs> <laughs> and then you just give it a couple i mean it, like what i do is i'll, I'll tell i'll take the ball down right and i'll just do like a little like i'll just like tap it out there maybe like 10 <laughs> yards like a little putt i'm like okay all right okay and then i'll be like a little half swing and then i'm like all right and then i'll just like full i'm like well that's pretty good. Here we go. And I'll just full swing and just let one rip. I don't care where it goes. And then I'll get that kind of relief uh, moment and like, all right, we're good. And then I can start like actually focusing on how it's, what the ball flight's actually doing. I was like, did I put the right shaft with the right, with the right yeah. club head? I don't know, but yeah, I, I know I, that experience. I, I haven't I, had it fall off yet, but Knock on wood. Me, I'm knocking still... on. I'm knocking on wood with you too, because I haven't had a head fly off yet. But I actually, when I hit it, it felt so good. It was my first one that I actually took out to the course and hit, and I just ripped it. Nice little draw, right down the fairway. And he looked at me. He was like, he he, he older than me, so I'm pretty old myself. But I'm, I'm still in my I'm late thirties. He early forties, so he don't he his expression different from mine. But when I hit it, he was like. Okay, that's how he said. He like, okay. He's like, oh, like, you can do this. Okay. I'm like, yes. But I, I will say that I never had a head fly off because I did some, I glued it wrong. But you know, you can't go through this not having any mistakes. So I did learn a lot about uh, not cleaning old epoxy out of a uh, shaft. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a shaft that split on me one time, and it's because. It was, you know, you got the tip right here, but, you know, it was about, it was almost like it had epoxy stuck in it probably about four inches away from the tip. And my drill bit didn't, you know, I put my drill bit in there and for some reason I didn't look down the shaft to see if it was clear, if I saw daylight. And uh, I just went ahead and put it together and come to find out it was epoxy like stuck way down in there. So now I got drill bits that's like super small, but by that long, you know, just in case I had to go way down in the shaft. Cause 
I'm saving a lot of shafts and it's a lot that go into the, you know, what you need to know when you use an old equipment that, you know, other people might've had, you know, they might've tipped it two, they might've tipped it two, three inches, you know, mm -hmm. you just never know unless you got the tools to kind of analyze that stuff. So I, I got a lot of, I got smarter, but that come with trial and error. So that's the whole thing about just getting out there, getting your hands dirty and, and figuring it out on your own. So. Oh, hundred percent. And and you talked about it too, right? You said you like, you didn't have the frequency analyzer before, and I'm imagining now you do, you talk about the drill bits like that, you know, what did your yeah. shop look like? Or was there even a shop when you first started doing this? And, and what does it look like now? You know, how kind of advanced have you gotten this process now that you've done it, you know, so many times over and over again? Oh yeah. No, my shop is just as good as club champion or anybody else at this point. Like I got a, I, like <laughs> I got a, uh, I got swing weight, got frequency analyzer. I got every single itty bitty minutia tool that you might need to do anything. I got a bench, I got a bench grinder, I got a buffing wheel, I got a cutoff station. I got a place where I turn down ferrules and other Built a belt sander where I turned down ferrules. I built my own. I'm proud of this. I sit back when I talk about this. I built my own sand, my own media blasting cabinet, so I can I can blast the faces off of clubs and all kind of stuff. So that's oh a, man. So that that to me, like right off the bat, tells me that you can take any piece of metal and bring it back to okay. life. Yeah. And it's something about bringing back. I like, so now I'm fine tuning what I do. I'm starting to come into my own. Cause every, I feel like every club builder got their style and it's a lot of great guys out there. Like uh, I, I got a putter that uh, I sent to Kyle at the golf garage. And I, I should probably get him on here. He amazing. But I sent, I sent a Scotty Cameron to Kyle and my friends was like, why don't you do it? You got all the tools to do it. And I'm like, that ain't what I do. You know, like, I feel like people got what they're good at. And my passion is iron heads. Like I love old iron heads. Like give me an old MP, MP9 or, you know, a, a Mizuno TN87 and something like that and watch me bring it back to life. It could be totally busted and rusted out. And I will bring that mug back to life. Even even to the extent where if I have to reach out to some of my outside sources, because I have outside sources. The only thing, I'm in California, so chemical, you know, the EPA will be on your ass. So uh, <laughs> sorry for sorry because but, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the EPA will be on your butt. So uh, I don't have a lot of, I can't uh, strip. So what I had to do was I had to go out and make connections with people who, who had tanks that I could drop these heads in and cut deals with them and negotiate with them. So now I actually have partners. Like if I need to strip a club, I can take it to them. They can do the reverse electroplating and, and take off all the, uh, the old nickel, chrome, copper, whatever on it. And that, and then it go down to like the bare metal. Now what started to get really exciting for me is when I first got my first set of clubs stripped and they came back to me and they was, ugly they was ugly as hell and like i had no idea that i could work that metal back to a polished finish that looked chrome until i did it and once i did it i got hooked i'm like wow i could really at this point i could really take any head no matter how messed up it is and bring it back to life and that's when i made up in my mind kind of like i'm gonna focus on iron heads if i'm gonna do something i'm gonna be really good 
at that and I'm gonna I'm start showing people on YouTube, you know, how if they want to do it, they can do it too. You know, whether it's Iron Heads, I'll, I'll still put other weird videos out there about me building these, you know, Frankenstein clubs and stuff like that. But at the core of it, like, I want to do Iron Heads and like be really good at that. So like I said, it's a lot of, it's a lot of people out there that do good work. And then there's a lot of people out there that it ain't a, but if you sit back and think about it, though, I don't know if y'all ever thought about this. It's not a lot of club makers, like, out there for real. Like, and if they are, they might be like me, and they just kind of tucked off and got a shop in their backyard that you might not never know about. Like, if I didn't have a YouTube page besides my friends, most people would never know I'd be a club. Like, I, I, could, be on a, I could be on set producing a commercial, and, and then I was on set with Steph Curry, and I'm so stupid. I was so in my own world because, you know, you have to separate kind of like business from pleasure. I was on set with Steph Curry. Uh, we, we were shooting a Facebook commercial and he, Steph was right there. I talked to him. I talked to his assistants and all his entourage that come with him. And I didn't even talk to him about golf. I was like, damn, that was your chance, you idiot. You're gonna and talk out of all Steph the celebs, like, man, <laughs> he is one of those guys that just like lives and breathes the game and would do anything for the game of golf exactly my friends still talk about me to that day because i got i got a the other it was uh two producers on set you had the executive producer and then you had me and uh he gave the our is it he gave the executive producer some shoes and he was like he was like man you can't he like i can't wear these he like steph gave me these i can't wear these and they was uh so i wish i had them with me they in the garage so uh, i disrespected them unfortunately but uh <laughs> he gave me these shoes and uh Man, like I like these Steph shoes. He wore them on set. I got the picture on set where he had them on. I got them in my garage. Man, I like wash my car in them shoes. <laughs> like I disrespected <laughs> them shoes, but uh, yeah, it's like I'm with these people. And I'm like he right there. I could be talking to him about golf, but I didn't because I I try to keep it like kosher, you know. So. But yeah, I got off on a tangent, but yeah. No, and it's it's one of those incredible things, right? Like we think, because we're golf nuts, we think there's a lot of people out there that do it. But in the grand scheme of things, like because we follow the pages, we follow the ins and outs of who does what. You know, you were talking about styles. Uh, Dante's got a personal friend, Steve Barry, that does specifically putters. You know, you got yeah. NorCal putters out in like the West Coast area. And like I said, you said, I said Nor I said NorCal putter. This I support people. See, this is the thing. I ain't trying to cut you off, but I actually support people. I got a putter, the one with the pin grip, that's from NorCal, and the one with the Scotty Cameron grip, that's from a golf garage. Like I support people. Like, see, and that's know, what like, that I, I love that you just said that because that's what's so awesome about. I feel like all these club builders, and like you said, you do irons. That's your forte. It's what you love to do, and bringing it back. And and you have no problem sending somebody a putter. And probably no problem sending someone a driver if they can really get it down, you know, if that's their specialty. And, and that's what I feel like, and Dante, you can maybe agree with this too. I've seen so much of the people that we've interviewed in the past so pumped up to send something to somebody else because they know that's the style that they want. And, and that's yeah. what's just really cool about all this club building, man, is there's there's definitely a knack to to getting your own style and people appreciating that. Yeah, and there's still a lot of people that I actually want to meet, like, I'm still trying to work my connections right now, but I want to meet, I don't know if y'all ever heard of this guy, uh, Dunn White. I want to meet Dunn White. Uh, he worked for uh, McGregor for a long time, and he's a African-American club builder. And, you know, of course, me being a person of color, 
you know, it's not too many. Uh, number one, it's not too many black people playing golf. Uh, and number two, it damn sure ain't a lot of <laughs> African American uh, club builders. So the fact that like everybody, he's like super known, and everybody in the industry respects him. Like, and if you don't know about him, you can Google him. He uh he start he started uh after he left McGregor, he started working for Scratch. I think y'all probably remember Scratch Golf. He oh, started 100%. working for Scratch. Yeah, he started working for Scratch Golf. And the thing, and he, one of the reasons I got into like irons and stuff, cause that's the, le- I want to get to that level where you take a blank. I don't know if people ever really seen a blank. It's like, you know, they put the billet in, bam, it come out. It kind of look like a club, but it ain't a club. You know, <laughs> I, so, I don't, I don't mean to we... cut you off here, but like the blank that the, the perfect video for this. And I, and I, you know, I, I like to plug, we were talking about plugging other people here. Um, Eric Anderslang has a wonderful video of taking a tour through the Myura plant and, and how yep. they take those blank, they blanks and they, and they pound it three times. Myura is special because everyone else only does it twice. They do it three times, but yep. that video, I, I encourage everybody to go watch that video. It's incredible to see the process of these blanks being forged. And I think that's kind of what you were, you were referencing. Yeah. Like that's what makes me so proud when I, uh, when I play my mirrors, you know, I got some, I got a set of mirrors and that's what made me proud when I play them. I know two things that happen. I know they've been, I know they've been stamped three times and I know, and all that's doing is packing that, packing that forging down, making the grain structure tighter. So uh, I know two things happen. I know it got stamped three times and I know mirror son put his hands on and that's enough for me right there. I'm like mirror son put his hands. <laughs> On these clubs right here one of the on that best. last grinder he's the last man <laughs> to that, touch him before they went the, out the door he was the last man to touch these clubs and i want people so now i got this thing now my friend it started off as a joke because i built uh some clubs from my one of my friends and then he was like he was like hey man that that three wood that no the five wood he's like that five wood you built for me i never <laughs> felt i never felt the five wood like that ever before and then another guy said you you haven't had a you haven't had a club until you had a B Mason club, and then it just started catching on, and like everybody was like, "I need to get me one of them B Mason clubs," you know. And it's just like it just to the point now where somebody sent me some clubs the other day. Clubs cost two thousand dollars, you know, and you you got to be somebody who trustworthy and know what they're doing for somebody to send you some. So just I ain't even talking about the shafts. I'm just talking about the heads. Like cost two thousand dollars. So. And uh, I put them on Instagram and people are like, where you get them from? Like, you can't get these from nowhere but tour spec. <laughs> like, that's the only place you're going to get these. So, uh, you know, it's just good to kind of be like a recognized. But it's hard because one thing I, one thing a lot of people don't know is like, I just want to share the wealth. I don't want to build clubs full time because I like playing too much, you know, but yeah. I want to. I just want to share the wealth. So people, even if even if they don't get into club building they'll kind of know what to look for and be a little bit more educated about their own club, you know, and kind of like what they like, what they should be looking for, uh, how to tell some something that's like a quality apart from something that might not be a quality or craftsmanship. I feel like uh, in this day and age, everybody wants stuff like right then and there, you know, like, but to get it right, man, it take, it take craftsmanship. Like, when Lamborghinis was making Lamborghinis, they, they weren't just pushing them out every week. Like they like, no, it take a certain amount of time to make this 
Lamborghinis. So it's same thing with club buildings. Sometimes it takes time to like really make something really good, you know. So but I think you're touching on something really important there about why all of us spend so much time club building or spend so much time researching, you know, the the quote unquote perfect build. And that kind of brings me to this like kind of question too. And I feel like Dante and I, as we go back and forth, are, are figuring things out as we go with building, but like what's some of the biggest, I guess, misconceptions when people send you clubs or ask you to build a club that they think they can get done or they want done that they actually don't need, you know, what's, what's some of those biggest misconceptions that you've ran into when people send you clubs to get built? Uh, a lot of people want blades that don't need blades. Uh, the uh, blades are like really blades are really wreck your game uh in a way now like cause the only reason i play blades is because i like to shake the ball i don't really care about distance as you can see i got gray i'm not getting any younger so uh, <laughs> i'm not necessarily chasing i'm not chasing distance it to me is something cool about like moving the ball wherever i want it to go like i you know i want to curve this that way oh I'm gonna curve it that way so that's cool another another big misconception is people need to understand uh people need to under I'm gonna get back to that one let me go to this one next uh people a lot of people chase distance and they don't understand marketing since I work in advertising I understand marketing very well so a lot of people think that if they go buy this new club they're gonna hit the ball farther so people bring me like I had I got this one I got this one uh guy who He's always getting the new driver. And I'm very pro new driver. I don't feel like a lot of technology change in irons, but I'm very pro new driver. I'm just not pro new driver every time the new driver come out, <laughs> you know, because what they do is they say, oh, the new Callaway Epic. Sorry for my radio voice, but I have to, you know how they be, oh, the new Callaway Epic. Hit your ball farther, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's gonna go far, and, far, far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the only thing, but what they're not telling you is that their father is two yards. You're gonna hit it to like in there. If you would look at their underlining messaging, they say you're gonna hit the ball farther. And they're not lying. You will hit it farther, but you're gonna hit it farther two yards. So I don't think a lot of people understand that they're not telling you exactly how far you really gonna hit that ball further. They just need they need to they need to get kind of like what TaylorMade did, how they made the how they thin these faces out just to the right amount, the legal plane limit. You know, uh, they got it thin enough to the legal plane limit, and yeah, you're gonna hit it farther, but you're not gonna hit it that much farther. You know, so a lot of people think uh you know these new drivers and stuff just gonna make them hit it super far and it, it's really not it's just it's marketing bs but whatever i'm, I'm all, i don't want to bash the industry because i love the industry at the same time but like you know i'm here to educate people man like they could listen to me or not i don't care as long as the golf community is thriving well and like, i feel uh, like too because yeah I, I couldn't agree more there's a point where like i don't, I don't want to bash the industry because i love being a part of it but at the same point yeah. like I feel like especially with these newer clubs, whether it's, you know, uh, from 2018, 19 or 20, the heads are very similar that your distance lies more in the shaft and the correct swing weight you've got, you know, right in and, that area. And, and Dante and knows that's more than anything. That's where, that's where club building and the expertise and yep. education comes into play because I mean, Brandon, you know, more than I do. I mean, I'm, I'm just putting, I'm piecing together different shafts and pretty much my woods and, and, and my drivers just because 
I really don't feel like going to get fit again. And I, I like doing it and figuring it out on my own, but it comes down to like, you're saying it's, 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 you got the marketing aspect trying to get the new, 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 new. Well, yeah. Why don't we learn what, what material we're dealing with? Like you were saying, yeah. you know, bringing down to the certain finishes and dealing with I, these certain metals and then dealing with this certain shaft, this steel shaft versus and this carbon steel and this and that you learn that you will change. You can probably take a driver that's five years old to the current market. And if you know what material that you're using and what shaft fits, what yep. probably will hit it further than. Oh yeah. I got, a, I got this. Uh, So I'm always making YouTube videos and stuff. So I got this one bill right now. It's a, uh, I found it for, I found it for pretty cheap. It's a R7, uh, 425. I like small heads too. It's a R7, 425, but I, uh, the whole concept of this, I'm going to do a YouTube series. I think I might already put the first video out. I'm not sure. I make so many videos, but I got to do uh, two more two more parts to the series. So I, I got I went in looking for, before I take y'all down that rabbit hole, I got one more thing I want to hit because I feel like it's important. Another, the third thing about club building that I feel like a lot of people need to know is uh, they need to understand the degrees not the number on the bottom of the club yes because because what's going what's going on in the industry is like people say man don't ever go to the t boss and be like somebody hit a good shot don't ever ask them what you hit like they're gonna be like, hit my seven you know okay damn you hit your seven 195 jeez <laughs> one or 200 you hit your seven 200 wow what they not understanding is that because the degree of the loft that's on that seven iron that seven is really a five, you know, and like people don't, a lot of people in golf don't understand that. So they get discouraged and they be like, oh man, Billy hitting this seven iron 200. I'm hitting my seven, one, 155, 160. I mean, it's because Billy's swinging a five iron. He's not swinging a seven, bro. So it's like, they talk to me about the degree. Don't talk to me about the, uh, don't talk to me about the, the uh what's on what's printed on the bottom and me and my friend laugh about that too because i when i hit my seven when i hit my seven i, I hit it you know like 168 169 something like that and uh he hit he hit his seven uh way he hit seven way farther than mine and he's like he's like man he was like uh he was like you be smashing your seven farther than other people hit they seven and they don't even know that your seven like a eight <laughs> you know so it's like you just got it's so many i love golf because it's a mystery but then i get mad too because a lot of people don't understand the mystery and everything we make it so mystique when it don't have to be i've always wondered but, why we've never just stamped you know 28 32 40 whatever listen and, i think i think hogan tried to do that being hogan did yeah, it, ben yeah, hogan, hogan tried to do that who he did that when he re, when they released the newer set of irons after you know their hiatus for a little bit they did that and i think people got so confused yes. because rick shields did it he got them and he had the he had a chart that he ca- he carried with them to make sure be like oh this twenty three degree that I have is equated to this iron that's what I hit for this fall this is like whatever it was like say like the twenty five was like his five iron or something he's like that's my five you iron. know what I, I equated think people it got to? so confused because it's so <laughs> so many numbers 
Yeah. I, I equated I think- <laughs> it to like the American version of like our feet and inches to like the metric system. Like people don't want to see the metric system. They don't want to deal with it. They just want to deal with feet and inches. And it's the same thing with golf clubs. Stamp a one, two, three, four, five on there. I don't want to deal with two digits. That's too much. Yeah. I mean, I might like, that's the, like, like you're saying, Brandon, it's like, it's like, all right, we're playing it. We're playing a, a par three, 150 yards. Like, would you hit? Well, I hit my 150 yard club. Yeah. Not whatever club I had because your lofts can be completely different to my lofts. Mine could be weaker or mine could be stronger. It, it, exactly. Yeah. You're right there. The misconception with the numbers stamped on the bottom of the club. I mean, it, I think, I mean, it, it, listen, I, we all, we all come to fault with it because, you know, we want to hit it far. We want to have the shorter club in our hand, but you know, the, you got to throw the ego out the door. It's at the end of the game. It's, it's who's got the lowest score at the end of the round. Exactly. And my thing is, I don't, I don't necessarily, that's why I make my YouTube page. I don't necessarily want people to change it. I just want people to understand it, you mm-hmm. know, like just educate yourself enough to, to understand it. That's all, that's all, that's all I really want. I feel like once people start to like understand, you know, the club fitting side a little bit more in the, in the club building side, they'll uh they'll start to understand the game so much like i love it. golf is confusing and I, I love it about it because it is confusing it kind of reminds me of filmmaking i never understood that like you know i hope i ain't gonna go over nobody here but i never understood in filmmaking like if i want to you know if i want everything to be in focus i need i need my my iris to be at an f 22 you know but f22 mean everything closed you know it's like everything is always backwards it's the same thing with photography and filmmaking kind of like with golf in a way so it's i kind of equate the two because i get lost into because i do both of them at the same time so i kind of get lost in that world a little bit but as far as the as far as this bill i got like i found I found uh, these two clubs. Well, I went looking for a firewood just because I wanted to build a firewood. You know, sometimes I just get to the point where I just want to build something. So I went looking for a firewood, and I specifically wanted an R7 because I just, man, that R7, when when that line came out, I feel like that was, like, super solid for TaylorMade. And that's when they came out with the whole weighting system and stuff like that, which is still what we're using right now in the grand scheme of things. That was that super quad uh, head, right? Like the four weights on the, yeah. Yeah, which is basically what we're doing right now. We move and weight around in the bottom of the head, you know, so, but I wanted, I wanted that club and I went looking for, so I found the firewood and it was a TaylorMade R7. I got my little secret shops that I go to uh, (laughs) to get these clubs and stuff. You know, I'm in the Bay Area. So, of course, like, I think you guys are on the East Coast, but, like, in the Bay Area, it's expensive as hell out here, and people just got a lot of freaking discretionary money, so they just get rid of a whole bunch of dumb stuff for no reason. So, you know, I go buy it and flip it on eBay. It's a club builder's like paradise. <laughs> it is a club builder's paradise, actually. But So I went and bought it, and it was a guy in the uh, parking lot, and he like, hey, he like, uh, I saw you looking at that R7. I'm like, yeah. He was like, uh, he like, I got a club in the car if you want it. And, you know, it was kind of awkward because, you know, he just randomly came up and talked to me. But I'm the type of person I'll talk to anybody. So I'm like, yeah. So I reluctantly kind of hesitantly went out to his car with him. And he opened up the trunk and he uh, pulled out this head. He was like, yeah, the, the shaft broke off of it. I found it at the golf course. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I pick it up and I look at it. It's an R7 425. I was like, ooh. 
but I didn't say I didn't let him know that I felt <laughs> like that. I was like, like okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like he like I like how much you want for it. He like, oh man, you can just have it. I like, oh, okay, yeah. I like cool. And then so I said, Hey, I'll be a club too if you ever need some clubs. I like I gave him my contact info and uh I took I took the head and went in the car and I just sat down and looked at it. I like he just gave me a R7 425. Like these things sell on eBay right now for one twenty five. Like, like he just gave it to me, so I got I got super excited about it. It's like I, you hold like the winning small. lottery ticket right in your hand. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to to most people, they wouldn't give a shit. Like they're just like, I don't want that shit anyway. But <laughs> to me, it's a R seven four twenty five. I play small heads. Like right now, I play a I play an M five four forty. I had before that, I had the two thousand seventeen M one four forty. So I play like. I like some about the small heads that I like. I guess it make me concentrate a little bit more. Most people be like, "Oh, it's stupid! You need a four, you need a four sixty cc." But that's when building clubs, you start to realize what you like and what you don't like because you you making this stuff on your own. So you start to develop your own style as far as like golfing and what you hit well and what you don't hit well. So yeah, so right now I got them. I'm going to put them on eBay. Once I finish the video series, I'm going to put them on eBay. Or I might call the dude up and just give it back to him, depending on how I feel. <laughs> I love that. I love that. that that's what's, man, that there's always something that's going to top the last build, right? Like, there's always something that, like, you get, you get your eyes on and you say, man, that might have been the coolest thing I've ever built. And then you look at something else and you're like, ooh, I'm going to build something with that, too. And then it becomes the yeah. next cool. And that's the fun thing about building, man. There's no there's no end in sight to it because there's so many combinations you can do. There's so many ways to get creative. You know, obviously like we, we talked about at the beginning of the show, the wooden head with the graphite shaft. I mean, there's so many ways to get creative. You join the head, you do this, you do that. Um, it, it's just, it's an endless cycle. And it's one of those things where it just goes back to you being the artist uh, and, and just kind of really dreaming up what combination you can put together that actually yeah. fits together and hits a golf ball. Hits a golf ball, and then like, and then in the end, we all just we all love this crazy game. So it's what makes you feel good when you get it in your hand. What makes you smile? You know, you the weighting of it. Does it feel? Does it feel like a feather? Or does it feel like a fucking axe? Who knows? Everybody like different stuff, but <laughs> you know, it's like what 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 feels good to you? Cause like even me, for me to play golf, I have to be super dedicated. And when I say dedicated, I mean. I play golf at my friends hate playing golf with me. I play golf at super weird times. Like I go out, I'm the first, I'm there when they cutting the grass in the morning. Like that's how, like I'm oh, literally. Best rounds right there. Uh, Early I'm, riser. I'm literally, I'm literally the first one on the course. Like by the time my kids wake up, I have already went and played, you know, I don't play a lot of eight, see, 18, nine we, holes though. We, we talk about that all the time. Dalton is a chase the sun guy. I'm an early. I like to rise. Sunset round, man. Give me that. Give me that. Two p.m., three p.m., and let me chase chase the sunset, baby. I'm (laughs) with you on that one. I mean, you get out there. You're with the mowers. You got the dew. You got the sun rising. It's just like there's no one out. So quiet. You're out there playing, playing with by yourself or with the group of guys that like to. You know, a lot of the guys I play with, we all early rise. And the reason for me that I like that is like those things right there. But you're also you're done yep. by lunch. So you still have the rest of the day if you have like a family, a wife, kids, or whatever. You got to get back to them. Or if you want to go play another round, 
you're in the clear. <laughs> I did that too. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I have done a lot of come up with the sun and, and go down with the sun. So I yep. played nine, I played nine in the morning. I played a, I played a uh, back nine in the morning and I played a front nine in the evening time. And, uh, I, I, I love it, but I, if I want to play, I have to, because I got like so many other people out here who, uh, play golf, you know, we got a family, we got, we got responsibilities. So, you know, if I, I love the game. I love the game enough to get up at four thirty and be at the golf course at five o'clock and be the first one on the on the course. Like I, the maintenance workers know me. I'm out there. The guy. Have y'all ever seen somebody rolling the greens before in real life? Like the little cart they sit on that just go like this and like that back and forth. A joystick. I think that thing's so amazing, man. And the and the, the guy the, the guy that rolled the greens at my home course, he goes so fast on that thing. So <laughs> I, I will say watching them. And I can relate to that. I used to work golf course maintenance. And I, I oh. my last last year I worked golf course maintenance. I, I was kind of promoted up to being able to cut the greens and roll the greens too. Boy, what an experience when it is right on one of those, as you're watching the sun come up, like you're, you, you can barely see where you're going and you're running this roller back and forth and back yeah. and forth. It's just, it's one of those things that it kind of goes back to club building. Not many people can say that they've had the experience of actually rolling a green or cutting a green for that matter. And it's just one of those awesome feelings when you look back on it, you're like, man, that green's fresh. It's rolling good. And I can't wait to see people enjoy it. <laughs> I, and I, I get to play it most of the time right after they get through rolling it. And let don't let it be a day that is no dew on the ground, like no dew and it's not wet. Because a lot of times I, my course is right by the ocean, right by the bay. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of wet most of the time. But don't let it be a day that they rolled it and it's not any dew on the ground. The ball be rolling so pure. And a lot of people who play muni courses, because my course is a muni course, but a lot of people who play munis, they never really experienced that feeling of rolling like a true green, like just tapping it in the mm -hmm. ball go, you know. So I encourage everybody to get out there and do that, man. I, I love golf changed my life, man. I ain't going to lie. Golf and, and not like changed my life into like introducing me to new people where I can talk to cool people like y'all. It just changed my life until it kind of slowed me down as a person and kind of like just kind of even even me out you know like i don't get mad about certain stuff you know i hit i hit good shots that end up in stupid places and i hit bad shots that end up next to the hole you know it's like it just kind of taught me that like i like to equate like golf and and life together you know and it's just kind of it kind of just go hand in hand like some days you're gonna wake up you have a good day some days you're gonna wake up you don't have a bad day anybody know anybody play golf enough know you could wake up super ready you could be like, oh man i'm about to go out shoot the lowest round i ever had in my life and you go out there and just blow it up <laughs> so, <laughs> like like i watched the podcast where y'all played uh where you played after the lpga and you blew it up oh, you know like <laughs> God, that was brutal dude that sucked i was so pumped to play too i was like I, I i studied the course for like a week i was trying to watch youtube videos just to kind of get a feel because one of the things i like when I'm playing a course for the first time is I like to kind of go in knowing a little bit of like a game plan, just so I can enjoy myself a little bit better. I had this game plan. I had, I was like, all right, we're going to hit this club on this hole, this and that, you know, we got there. It was cold. The wind picked up everything that I prepared for 
out the window. I think once I got to like the 10th hole, I just said F it. And I just was pulling driver on every hole. I said, screw it. Let's just have a good time. Like I was like pumped. I mean, like even my partner, he blew it up too. And I was just like, and he's a, he's a solid player as well. Yeah. yeah that's golf. It was, that's, that's golf. For that's you. golf. That's like golf. you said, I mean, we had a game plan. We had a strategy. I was, I had my own strategies. It's like, all right, I'm going to play my game. You know, we'll try and ham and egg it. Yeah. yeah. We blew up on the same holes. And I think once we got to the six, it was just like, uh, oh, crap. But I mean, that that's, that's golf. That's I mean, golf. I've been blessed to actually play a lot of amazing courses. And I know you guys going down to Palm Springs and, uh, I encourage you to play Indian Wells, the celebrity course. That's one of my favorite courses. Uh, I played, I played Mission Hills. Uh, I played Mission Hills, uh, Diana Shores course. I, I played uh, all the courses at PGA West. I, I have played everywhere, almost in Palm Springs. On even on the in the Bay Area, along the West Coast, I played Sandpiper. I played Lake Merced. You know, like. I played Harding, the other, the other, uh, I wanted to play after they had the, the open, but couldn't get no tea time because everybody else was trying to do just like me and like experience the PGA rough, you know, so I, but I couldn't get out there, but I've been, I've been blessed to play a lot of great courses and uh, I just, you know, I, I love golf. I love building club. Like for me, it's like when I get done with my regular work and I go outside to my shop because now I have an actual shop that I built in the backyard and I go out to my shop and I open up the doors. It's like my sanctuary, you know, I put on a little music, you know, I, <laughs> I can listen to anything. Like I might be listening to some rap. I might be listening to some country. I might be listening to some R and B who knows hell. I might be listening to a podcast, whatever, <laughs> but it's my, it's my, it's my sanctuary. When I go in there and it's just, you know, being able to take nothing and turn into something or being able to take something that was discarded and bring it back to life, man. It, it, it like really, it do, it's therapy actually. Like building clubs became therapy for me. And I was going through a lot in my personal life and uh, I was able to use, I was able to use club building to get me out of some, some dark places. So, uh, you know, golf is a, an amazing sport. And I think I'm gonna do, and the one thing about my YouTube, I wanna like, you know, I want to show people how to be a club, but I also want to use it as a platform to like just, you know, bring. I know a lot of people talk about, oh, we need to get more people in the, in the game. Well, I think what's going to get people more in the game, no, it is. I can testify to this. Uh, what's getting people more into the game is what you guys are doing, what I'm doing. You know, like we getting millennials into the game now. We getting you, you know, we getting people who have never ever thought about playing golf. Now they think about playing golf on my end. We getting people who see me, they like, oh, black dude, he be a club and he he play golf. Well, I think I'm gonna try golf, you know. So we getting people of color into the game. So you know, it's just we're, all these platforms are making it where people can get get into the game. And that's ultimately what we want. I'm, I'm kind of selfish though too because like now because of COVID, all the courses like super packed. And it's like we want to get people into the yeah. game, but like people who play all the time, like well, it's like it's busy, and then we're like, it's go like, home, yeah. go home. It's like yeah, this is my little hidden secret, but I'm I'm pumped that you guys are playing. But get off my little hidden gem, please. Yeah. I know, exactly. I feel you. But speaking of the YouTube thing, what you're saying, one thing that this is me personally with putting clubs together. I would like to see a video on how to install a ferrule because I screw them up 
every single time. They're all mangled. I tried doing all types of tricks just to get, because then they get stuck. Yeah, that's that's just my only request. I, I would I would do that because it's funny. Everybody develops their own style, so I have finally developed my own style of perfectly installing a ferrule. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I yeah. will make a video, but I'll walk you. I'll kind of. You know, I'm very, I, I feel like I speak very visual, so I'll walk you through it real quick. What I like to do is I like to uh, take the, I like to take the club head, put it on the shaft without the ferrule, put it on the shaft. That way you know how far that club head is actually going to go down. And if you got a tilt weight, make sure the tilt weight in there too. So you put it on there all together. Then you take the ferrule and you hold it up against the shaft. So you, you're able to find out how far that ferrule needs to come down. Then you take a piece of tape and you put it right at the edge of where where that uh, piece of masking tape, put it right at the edge of where that ferrule stops at. So then you take the ferrule, you put it, you put it, uh, you put, I like to put a little, just a tad bit of epoxy on the inside of the ferrule because sometimes people don't know if you leave, if you, somebody who neglect your clubs and leave them in the car or whatever, if it's hot, those ferrules like loosen up and stuff like that. So I like to put a little bit of epoxy on the inside. Uh, and then uh, I put it on and you, you need to get a ferro block. Most people don't know this. There's a thing called a ferro block. It only costs like, I don't know, probably about $8, I guess. I'm not sure. It's called a ferro block. You take the ferro, you put it on the shaft and then you push it down on the ferro block. So that ferro block, get it started and get it going down the shaft. So I'm going to leave about that much of the tip exposed. So then what I do is, is I use board ferros and hit their ferrules always tight. They look great, but they always super tight. So what I do is I take a heat gun and I take my shaft and I, I hold the heat gun up and I spin the I spin the shaft with the ferrule on there and I get it warmed up just enough to the point and it's no it's no science to it. I think I just smell it and I see it at this point, but I get it warmed up just enough and then I take the head and I push it down on it and it push the ferrule down and that ferrule land right at the edge of that tape. And if it don't make it to that tape, then I know I need to warm it up just a little bit more and push it until it hit the edge of that tape. Yeah, because you... I'm going to have to see a video on that. <laughs> I'm a very big visual learner. I was trying to put the pieces together, but because I would have trouble t- too when the ferrule, I'd put it on just to kind of see like where it goes and then I'd get it stuck. Yeah, oh, and see like, that? And that's why I don't I'm put like, it on. That's why yeah, I hold it up next I'm to like, it. Oh crap! And then I'm sitting there like trying to yank it off, or I'd yeah. heat, take a heat gun and then I'd throw it out because I just wasted it. And then wasted. people were telling me, so like the trick that I was doing sometimes too is, I'll go, I'll go get like a cup of water and I'll, I'll hit like the beverage button on the microwave and get it nice and hot. Yeah. And then I throw them, I throw the ferrule into the hot water and let it get a little malleable. Yeah, and then nah, I nah. slide it you on. You don't gotta do none of that. I will make you a video. You <laughs> okay? Because and then I then I put the club head on and I start tapping it down. But then at the same time, if it's too malleable, then the then the ferrule gets all mangled. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I was like, and you know what? I'm ooh. glad you said. I'm glad you said this because I'm always thinking about what kind of what kind of like I just be make right now. Like my videos be way longer than they need to be. Cause I'm always just doing full bills, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I've always asked myself like, what kind of like five minute, four minute video can I make that people really need? And like you saying that made me realize I just need to put a video on about I mean, how I, I would, pre- me personally, I would appreciate that big time. Cause I've gone <laughs> down 
all types of YouTube videos, just trying to find just, just the feral installation part. Yeah. I've picked multiple people's brains. I've watched multiple videos on how to do the whole process of putting a club head and then, you know, getting the epoxy right and then putting the club head onto the shaft. We're good. Yeah. The hardest part for me is making sure I'm putting the ferrule in co on correctly and at the right space and making sure I'm not screwing it up at all because yeah. I've um, run into problems like that. I mean, I, I hate the, I love the ferrules because it's the, I mean, from what I've heard, you don't really need them. It's just an aesthetic piece, yeah, but I'm I like, I want to make, I'm very anal and OCD about my, about my equipment. It's got to look good too. Yeah. So I was like, ferals are like the hardest part for me. I get so frustrated with. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you a video. You'll never have to worry about how to. It uh, is, I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I really believe that I came up with this myself because it was just trial and error, and it's like I kept messing up so many times, and then I stumbled on like, okay, what if I do this? What if I do that? And then it just became part of my process. And I think too, it made me have to like really figure out how to do it, is because I started working with like forty five dollar ferals. And like, you know, $45 ferals, you ain't trying to mess up no for it. Like $45 ferals, like, like boy, ferals, they tight. Yeah. I had them on my wedges and yeah. I, I was like, I was like, yo, where can I get some dope ass wedges? And I ordered from them, but, yeah. and I just put them on my wedges and I said, they're, they're, they're thick and, and they're tight. And I said, yo, I, I do not want to ruin these because my that clients would suck. My clients get mad at me because I'll be like, they like people who get me to be a club for them. They be like, yeah, I want some fair. I'm like, okay, what kind of fair do you want? Oh, I just want the basic black. I'm like, oh, I don't do those. I don't do those. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like all my fair cost forty five dollars. That's I get them from Boyd. So mm -hmm. this a this a hundred percent plug for them. They make the best ferals ever. Uh, I want a discount. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm, it. I love it. I'm, yeah. I buy I buy so much stuff for them. I'm like. I want a discount. Yeah. <laughs> they own my Christmas tree. Like my Christmas tree right here. Like I used that as an ornament. Oh, hold on. Come on. Literally. I don't have to lie about this stuff. I put them on my Christmas tree, man. Oh, oh man, yeah. Incredible. It comes in a bag, dude. That's I what's so cool it. about that's that. So that's classy. Like, <laughs> that's that's what, what I that, I was actually shocked when I purchased the I purchased like the the ferals and they give you like a good amount. Uh, yeah. for the ferals and you get like uh, what, what do you say i would say like an iron set worth the ferals you would usually get and it comes in a little patch with their with their logo, logo. Stamped on yep. it. and you're like yo i got these ferals but now i got a tea pouch that yep. i've been searching for i was yep. like they do they they know what's up yeah they know it. they've been he man he's been in the business a long time so yeah. he, he definitely he definitely know what's up so yeah so i i mean well, you're talking love, about making that video, right? So where can people find you on YouTube? Where can people follow along? Obviously, YouTube, Instagram, whatever. Where can people oh, follow yeah, along yeah. on this awesome process you're going to show us? Uh, uh, keep following my journey. I'm super easy to find. It's built by B. Mason. B-U-I-L-T-B-Y-B-M-A-S-O-N. Built by B. Mason. It's the same thing on, on YouTube. So, you know, YouTube backslash built by b mason i guess i was making good videos youtube gave me a backslash on so built backslash built by <laughs> b mason same thing on instagram built by b mason so. love it love it and same on podcast now too you're 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 debuting this podcast and kind of you know yeah. periodically getting into I'm, it i'm getting know? my i'm getting my fingers wet <laughs> absolutely man no and that's awesome I, we love seeing you know we talked about it earlier and i think i feel like we kind of roundabouted it to it a lot throughout the whole uh throughout the whole show it's just like you know 
it's all about getting more people into the game and whether it's through your YouTube page or whether it's through people saying, Hey, you know what? He, he, he's a, he's an African-American man building clubs. I don't see that too often too. And it's like, it, you know, is, is that kind of your, your end goal with all of this is just to really get more people into the game. Like we were talking about earlier. And, and if so, is it like kind of storytelling with that as well? Yeah. Uh, I never thought when I first got into it, I, like I was like, I didn't really know what my, my goal was I, I think my goal initially coming into it was just to like I'm like man I taught myself how to do something I'd be it'd be a disservice if I didn't try to teach somebody else how to do it so I think that was my real goal and then I started looking around and started realizing I didn't really see too many people that look like me so I'm like man I need I'm, maybe if people see me doing this maybe more people who look like, like me might want to get involved in the game so that became another that became another outlet to fuel me to to keep going you know and uh and I think when it all boiled down to it it's just a love for the game man like I never thought I'd find so much peace and solace in uh in this game you know and I think that's what it really boiled down for for me like for me to work all day and then you know come get on a podcast or go out like I could work 12 hours and still go out to that little house that I built out there and work another six hours on clubs and feel perfectly fine about it and it's just it's just that whole like love for the game and I do and I do hope other I do hope it resonates and other people you know get excited and want to get involved want to get involved with golf want to get involved with club making I'm getting my children into it. Like I made my son and daughter a putter right there, right there. Talk right there. us through <laughs> that, man. That's so special. Real quick, I want to touch on that because that's so cool, man. How much pride do you have in making your your kids clubs, man, at, at, and getting them uh, going in this game? Man, the best the best moment I ever had. I was like, uh, my back my backyard pretty big, and my kids they just go out there and tear it up. So I was in, I was, I keep, when I'm working in the shop, I keep both doors open cause I need to see them cause they only five and three and you know, my daughter will be over there eating dirt or something, you know? So I, I had to like keep my eyes, I had to keep my eyes on. So I was in the shop working and I got my net up, my practice net. And I looked out the door and I saw my daughter, she didn't have a club, but she was imitating swinging into the net. And I don't know, it touched me in my soul, man, because I'm like, children so like you know they just a sponge they soak up everything they see you do so she's she has seen me hit into that net so many times that now she's emulating what I do and I like man that's like that's like super special because when I was growing up you know I'm in California but I'm originally uh from Birmingham Alabama and like you know, I went to a, a, a lot of people can't even relate to this, but I, I, you know, I grew up in a community that was like all black. I went to a, a all black high school, you know, like I grew up in the hood, you know, so it's kind of like, but we, we didn't realize it was the hood because we loved it. But looking back at it, I'm like, oh, it was, I was in the hood, <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh, you know, we just love where we was at and we loved our people, but I'm like, it was in the hood. So the fact that like, I have, you know, came from that environment to where I'm at now is like to like go on, go play on these like prestigious and, you know, expensive golf courses and meet like all these new people. I think it's, I think it's real important for me to know that people who like in the hood right now <laughs> can be, can like see past that and be like, you know what? 
I can get out of this situation and I can do something big and better, you know, and like uh, I kind of hold on to that. So the fact that I can introduce my kids to the game early, like the, the game was not introduced to me early. I played football and basketball. That's what I did, you know, and back then and even now people still have the same mentality that like if you want to make it out, you got to be a, you know, a celebrity or you got or you gotta you gotta well take that back if you want to make it out you gotta be a rapper or you gotta be a football or a basketball player no you can go play golf too like or you can just be smart as hell and you know you it's other ways you know and i love that about the world we live in now because we didn't grow up in, with youtube like now people like i'm right. i'm 38 i'm 30 what 38 dang brandon you're making yourself old i'm 37 about to be 38 <laughs> but when i grew when i grew when i was coming up when I was when I was like you know sixteen, it wasn't no YouTube. Like it was not YouTube. Like I'm kind of I'm in uh I'm in that world where I got the analog and the digital. Like I I had a phone where you take the button, you rotary phone where you <laughs> like I grew up in that world. You know what I'm saying? Black and white TV world. But then I'm also in the world now where you know everything wireless and touchscreen and stuff. So. It's kind of we didn't people. What I'm what I'm trying to get at is people. It's more information available right now than there has at your fingertips than there has ever been before. So like, whereas Bill and Golf Club truly was this like mystique, it's not really a mystique anymore because you can just go on YouTube and watch a fool like me build some crazy stuff, and you be like, oh, I think I want to build golf clubs, and you can teach your, you can almost teach yourself you know it, you still got to invest in the right equipment and stuff like that but the inf is more information right now than there has ever been before and i feel like if people apply themselves and like really go out there and like pay attention you can do anything and then you can you can experience that gratification of going out and hitting a club that you built with your own hands Amen. Amen. I could not have said it better. I'm going to leave it at that because that's just, um, wow, that, that's inspiring for not only the people who already do it, but the people who are thinking, hey, that, that looks kind of cool. I wonder wonder what it's all about and, and, you know, looking to get into it as well. So I'm going to leave it on that, Brandon. It's been an absolute pleasure. I, I, we could talk for hours and hours. On I, that. Yeah, I, know man, I, I could definitely go on forever, but I, I appreciate y'all, you know, taking the time out, reaching out to me uh, and not, you know, I'm just... Just a normal everyday guy, man. Y'all can go follow me. Follow me on this journey. It's not going to end anytime soon. It's on the ride. It's only going to get better. So, amen to that. And and that's why you know you say, oh, I'm just an everyday guy. You're doing some special things, and and that's that. That's the kind of that's what we love to see is just someone who has the passion for the game at the end of the day, uh, doing what they love and and sharing it with others. So, Brandon, again, man, thank you so much, guys. Go follow him, Built by B Mason on Instagram, Built by B Mason on YouTube, uh, with a feral youtube video coming out soon <laughs> coming super soon let's go <laughs> All right. clubs clean oh man, oh, man i love was, it i love it that was cool that was cool man i really appreciate that man i like even talking about golf is like therapy for me man so i really appreciate it well it's our pleasure man as always guys get out there carry your clubs get your clubs built by b mason and go enjoy the walk <laughs>
Dog, one shot at a time. 